welcome to The Bell Podcast, produced by Mental Health America of Kentucky. I'm your hostess, Marcy Timmerman, the Executive Director of MHA Kentucky. Um, We have a great podcast episode for you today. Unfortunately, we had some technical issues and it ended up being recorded in mono, so please forgive the sound quality because of that. Um, I am delighted to introduce Rachel Roberts. She is a board member at MHA Kentucky, and she will introduce herself more as you begin this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. So as Marcy said, my name is Rachel Roberts. Um, I own a yoga studio here in Newport, Kentucky, which is where I am today, self-isolating. But I also happen to be a newly elected state representative, and I very proudly serve on the Mental Health America Kentucky Board. I know that you work a lot with yoga and some meditation, things like that. Are there tips that you have for folks um, who are looking to start meditation or yoga during this COVID-19 crisis? Um, Absolutely. So now is a great time to start a meditation practice because number one, you have time on your hands. And number two, we're all experiencing a really remarkable period of time right now and a time that comes with um, a lot of anxiety for most of us. And meditation is about filling the fluctuations of the mind so that you can observe more and react less. And this is a time when you know, we definitely need to react as a community and as a culture to the, to the crisis of this virus that we're all facing. But in our actual minds and in our homes, um, it's a nice place to kind of slow down reactions and give yourself more time to observe. And if you observe, like right in this exact moment, you know, the world is spinning and chaotic around me. But right this moment, I happen to be sitting in the sun on my porch um, on a Friday when I normally would be working really hard this time. My husband is home as well. We're getting more time together. So when I pause and I am mindful, then those things bubble up to the surface. They become much more prevalent in my mind and I can focus my mind in a way that's much healthier, um, directed away from anxiety and more towards um, the gratitude that I have for this exact moment. Mm-hmm. So I've heard the pre-meditation brain kind of called a monkey brain where it's kind of all reactive to everything and thoughts are spinning in their head. Um, So what do you tell people who are really new to this? Like how, how would they go about getting kind of to calm that down and slow that down? Is there a formal way or just some tips for that? So when I very first meet with people and try to teach them about meditation, we talk about, um, in yoga, we call it the chitta vritti or the monkey mind. And I love that sort of visual of the mind just being like this crazy monkey running around, jumping from limb to limb, following any thread of thought that comes in. So a few words about just sort of what it means to try and study the mind. And I think a really nice metaphor for that is a train and a station. So the mind is the station. And the station doesn't go anywhere, right? Trains come in, the station decides how long the train stays, which direction it goes in next, but the the station itself stays put. And our mind is like that. So the mind is a tool. Uh, Trains of thought will come in and it's up to you and your mind and your observation of your thoughts as to how long they stay, how far you follow them, or whether you just let them pass right on by. So when we start to work on meditation, the idea isn't that you're going to completely blank out the mind. That's a really hard thing to do. But rather, we start to observe the trains of thought that come into mind, and we decide whether they're useful for us to sit with for a moment. Uh, My teacher says, you invite them into tea, or (laughs) we decide that they aren't, and you let them move on, and you try to come back to something that helps to steady the mind on something else. So generally speaking, we start with the breath, because the breath is, in my opinion, the most potent and powerful tool that we have to calm the mind. And when we slow down the breath, we slow down the nervous system, which in turn slows down the chitta vritti or the monkey mind. So we teach people how to exhale. So I happen to be an asthmatic. 
Um, I am suffering some pretty solid spring allergies right now, which might make me sound a little congested. But whenever I can focus on my breath and specifically the exhale, and the exhale is so powerful. So as an asthmatic, what really happens when I have an asthma attack isn't that I can't take breath in, it's that I can't get breath out. So I can't create that space for something more beneficial to come in. So I, one of my early teachers taught me how to exhale. And one of the simplest ways to do it is to just double the length of your exhale. So say, for instance, you inhaled for a count of three, your exhale would be a count of six. Sometimes that's hard. So two and four is better. Sometimes it's easy. So five and 10 is fine. But that's a really simple way. So you would inhale for a count of three and then exhale for a count of six or twice as long. And follow that for as long as you can. And when you notice that the mind has wandered and you've sort of lost the count, you just cue the mind to come back to observing the breath and doing that counting again. So I would tell people to start with that. Generally speaking, I try to have people start with just five minutes of meditation once a day and then build from there. In a perfect world, everyone would meditate for at least 20 minutes a day. Gandhi was really fond of saying everyone should meditate for 20 minutes a day unless you're too busy and then you should meditate twice as long. But right now we all have some time. So maybe we just work our way up to 20 minutes a day. But we start with that five minutes of breathing in and letting the exhale be twice as long. Those are some great tips. Thanks for sharing so much of that. That's great. (laughs) Obviously, as a representative, you've been in pulled in many directions um, right now. I think there are a lot of parents and definitely adults also feeling that kind of being pulled everywhere. Are there any tips you have for folks at home who might be listening, who maybe need a moment to like evaluate the priorities or or whatever might be right? I think right now, so many of us are experiencing things in a new way. You know, so many of us are, are working from home for the first time, or we're having to homeschool our kids for the first time, or we're just having to deal with, you know, what it is to be at home and be bored. Or if you don't share your life with a, a partner or children, what it is to be alone so much of the time. So we're all experiencing a very new um phenomenon in our culture, but also personally, just a lot of new things. So new things can be super scary. We as a, as a culture tend to be fairly change averse. Um, but this is a great time to foster your own innate curiosity. So if there's, you know, a creative endeavor you've been meaning to try and you could start that if there's, um, you know, something you do that's artistic, or if you love to listen to music or anything along those lines, I would just say, try to make sure that you carve time out in your day for that and really treat it like you would a work meeting. Like right now, half an hour a day is just time for me and time for me to foster my own innate curiosity because that keeps the mind sharp. And it also gives you something to be sort of excited about every day. Um, and it also was phenomenal about curiosity is that curiosity gives you permission to fail. And we're all going to fail at things right now because we are having to do so many new things. So we don't take it super, super personally when we're just learning to paint and we, you know, muddy colors up and it all turns into a brown blob. We don't take that super personally. Whereas in our professional lives, if we fail at something, sometimes we take that a lot more personally. In parenting, if we feel like we fail, we of course take that really personally. So my advice is just find that outlet for you, whatever it is, where your mind can be creative, where you can explore listening to a new kind of music or trying a new creative project or reading a kind of book that perhaps you normally wouldn't. Just anything that that you are willing to add in that's different than your normal habits because that will help your mind to adjust to change. And right now we're all having to adjust to change. So choosing to make that adjustment is really different than having it forced upon you. So even in this moment, whatever you can choose to change and be curious about, I think will help to calm the mind overall. As a small business owner, 
I'm sure you're very aware of how things are changing and out of control. So um, thanks for that, that piece of curiosity and change what you can is, is very important stuff to hear. I mean, I'm going to kind of change the, the direction a little bit, if that's okay, and see why you're involved with MHA since you are one of our board members. I would love for you to talk about like what brought you to us and, and what you like about what we're doing and what, what you'd like to see happening. Yeah. I am the daughter of an addiction specialist who uh, had his private practice in the ground floor of my home growing up. So that access to what mental health care could do, what addiction um, therapies could do, um, just showed me in such a beautiful way as I was growing up that we all have struggles and that it's completely okay to have struggles and that it's not okay to pretend like we don't have struggles. (laughs) And so it was an amazing way for me to grow up watching patients come to see my dad and see what, you know, really diving deep into whatever your own struggles were with someone who can help you could do to change people's lives in a positive way. And so I grew up in a household where there was never any stigma around that, where we all just sort of acknowledge that each one of us is going to face challenges. And some of us face bigger challenges than others, or the challenge we face is some we face as individuals are sometimes less accepted by society and thereby they become heavier than the challenges that someone else might face. So that was my upbringing. So it's always been a part of my life, mental health care and addiction health care, especially. Um, and all of my dad's friends, as happens in mental health care, you seem to gravitate towards other people in mental health care. So all of my dad's friends were in the field as well, psychologists, psychiatrists, so on and so forth. So these are the normal conversations that we had, you know, when I was hanging out with my parents and their friends were all around these ideas of what it really means to be well and what a community can do to help you be well. So it's something that I've always been really passionate about. And, you know, I've been exposed to, as we all will, through my friendships, through my employees, through um, my own family, so on and so forth. So as I've grown, you know, I'm 46 years old now. So throughout my lifetime, I've watched how our perception and the way we as a culture handle mental health care has evolved in really, really beautiful ways where we've removed so much of the stigma around it, but there's still plenty of work to do. And so I'm thrilled to be part of this organization to help remove whatever stigmas still remain. But also, I love this organization so deeply because a big part of our mission is making sure that mental health care is accessible to people where they are. Because we can't just tell people that it's okay to talk to people if they don't have anyone to talk to. That's definitely a major part of us is trying to identify how we can grow more professionals and get them deployed. So, yeah. yeah. And right now, you just think about this moment that we're in, and I just think, you know, I I wish one of the things that I think is a real opportunity for us, um, especially in a legislative body and for those of us who are community leaders, is this conversation about making it so that you don't just have a primary care physician, but that you have a primary mental health care physician. Because I think about this moment that we're in, and we're recording this during the COVID-19 crisis. And so many people have never spoken to a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a counselor before who could really perhaps benefit from one in this moment when things seem outside of our control. And I just wish that we had, you know, before this came, had a better standard of care in this country where we told people, you should at least have a once a year checkup with someone in the mental health care field so that you have that relationship established so that in your moment of need, you're not calling someone and talking to them for the very first time ever, but you've already started this rapport with someone and you have that accessible to you and you have that comfort level with someone so that you can call them or telehealth them in this moment in time and let them know what you're feeling. 
I know I've been really impressed with some friends who have reached out who had traditionally maybe thought I was weird for working in mental health. Right. And, <laughs> um, but now they finally are like, Oh, now I get it. Right. And they're, they're finally <laughs> calling a therapist for the first time. And I'm like, yeah, telehealth isn't maybe the best way to start, but you can still start. Right. Like there are a lot of people still taking new patients. And I think that's been a major improvement. Um, so um, moving into kind of your legislator role, are there things that you're yeah. hoping to see finish up this year or go into next year? So uh, what we have done as a legislative body this year, especially in the last few weeks, is really shifted our focus to passing a budget, which is the one thing constitutionally we had to complete this year, and also putting in some um, some COVID-19 relief bills. So specifically Senate Bill 177 and one, uh, 150. 177 deals with um, education stuff that we really needed to take care of so that our schools could be more flexible and how they're educating students given our new reality that we need to be doing so at home. And Senate Bill 150 is something that I um, am really proud to say that I got to be part of the free conference committee on that I got to help craft and that uh, brings about some small business relief. It also brings about a lot of stuff that allows us to have more access to telehealth, which is so vitally important right now. Um, and it helps with a lot of um, licensure and things along those lines, because we are living in such a different world right now. And no one has access to walk down easily to their county clerk, for instance, or to pay their occupational license for um, people who are independent contractors, stuff like that. So that's been our main focus over the last couple of weeks. That work has wrapped up. Uh, budget passed through the House. Um, just two days ago, we will go back one more time uh, to deal with any vetoes that come through that will take place uh, the week of April 13th through the 15th. And that will wrap up what is the normal part of our session this year. Now, I would say there's a really solid chance we'll have a special session this summer to deal with the fact that we budgeted for the unknown. So we budgeted based on a pessimistic outlook for a normal year. And this is not a normal year. So we may have to make some changes there. But we'll, if we were to come back this year, I believe it would really just be around rectifying those forecasts for, for revenue. So this was my first session. I got elected in a special election. So I didn't start work until March 3rd. I actually have only served 17 days uh, down in Frankfurt since this all began. And then I'll probably have one or two more days. So let's say I'll get somewhere around 20 days in this 60-day session. So I'm really proud that I've been able to do as much as I have in this short period of time. But I'm really excited about the idea of going back um, in the fall um, well, hopefully getting reelected in the fall and then going back next January and having a full two-year session where I can start to truly introduce legislation and where I can co-sponsor bills that I care really deeply about and where you know I can really try and be of the most service to my community. So thank you, by the way, for um, your work on the budget bill. I am so glad that we can say that the quasi-governmental agencies are once again held over at the 49% contribution rate. That's huge since a lot of them are struggling and picking up the pieces now while everyone needs them. So thank you for yeah. that. Yeah, I'm very glad to see that the budget that came through um, has those considerations in there. This isn't a time that anybody should be worrying about their pension contributions or what their future finances are going to look like, especially people who have already given decades of service to our community. Yeah, definitely. And we're definitely in solidarity with all of them having started the community mental health centers a long time ago as MHA. So, well, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything you want to add at the, like kind of a wrap up conversation or anything that we didn't get to talk about much? Um, I would just say, you know, to everybody who's out there, um, do the best you can in this moment and realize that we're all facing anxiety. We're all facing the unknown and give yourself permission to fail on some days and to succeed on others. Um, 
try to get outside whenever you can. There's nothing like a little bit of sunshine to warm the heart. Uh, if you are like me, then the chance to stick your hands in dirt is pretty remarkable. So I'm going to go out um, just casually because I'm about to go back out into working in my garden. Use this as a time to really lovingly prepare the meals that you're eating to do your best to enjoy this gift of stillness that we don't get very often. And I know it can seem boring sometimes, but it really is a gift of stillness. So whenever you can, just pause, go get some sun on your face, look up at the beauty that surrounds us. You know, I love that we have so much technology right now. I've connected with friends. I haven't gotten to see their faces in years on Zoom and various other outlets. So whatever it is that you feel fills your cup right now, give yourself permission to do that in this moment like you never have before. It's really important that we all take care of our own mental health right now and that we take care of each other. So hashtag together Kentucky, hashtag team Kentucky <laughs> and healthy at home. Stay healthy at home. Exactly. If you, if you want to take yoga online or follow some guided meditations, we are offering um, online live demand classes and uh, streamed classes that you can watch anytime you want at the yogabars.com. Thank you. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening and sticking with us through Rachel Roberts' interview. If you have any questions, you can reach us at mhaky.org. That is our website or at 859-684-7778. Intro and outro music is courtesy of Adam Sofcoplus and sound editing provided by Bourbon Barrel Podcasting. Thank you so much. Thank you.